Welcome to Ahead in the Cloud, where business leaders share what they've learned on their cloud journey. I'm Chad Watt, Emphasis Knowledge Institute researcher and writer, here today with Rohit Batra, Vice President and Head of Product at ServiceNow for the telecom, media, and technology industries. Rohit, welcome. Thank you so much, Chad. Pleasure to be here. First off, let's uh, get everyone on board with ServiceNow. Inside the business tech world, ServiceNow is an established leader in the ITSM space. Now let's talk about your hypothetical analog auntie. You can tell her that ITSM means information technology service management, but then how do you describe it to her? So back in the day when we founded ServiceNow, the company was founded on the fact that it wanted to be a platform. It wanted to be a workflow engine. And funny enough, that's how we created a company. The founder, Fred Luddy, built it based on a workflow engine, which was supposed to be extremely flexible and you could use it for any application. But when we went in front of our customers, the first question I was asked is saying, well, what am I going to use it for? And so Fred said, well, let me give you an example. Let's assume IT service management. You've got an employee, you've got various people in your organization. They need help. Uh, they need to have a request for a laptop. They have a quest for a service that needs to be instantiated or something that you want to report. So you create an application as a demonstration of the power of the workflow. And that demonstration eventually ended up becoming a product. And that's now one of the largest products for us within ServiceNow. We have the largest market share uh, within the industry. It's an industry domain in its own. And that's really what it was. So ITSM as an industry got formed based on customer demonstration that we were trying to do as part of ServiceNow when we were founded. Let's talk a little bit about ServiceNow and ServiceNow's roots. We've talked about the platform. Tell me about the journey from the, the platform going to the cloud. This is a platform that predates cloud. You're absolutely right. So back at that day, we actually started in the cloud. So 2004 is when the company was founded. Our roots were in the cloud. I think it wasn't cool to be on the cloud then. Nobody knew what the cloud was, but we were founded on the cloud itself. So it was just the way Fred, who I think is actually still quite involved with the, with the company and the strategy, and he gets still involved into our board meetings and so on, provides constant guidance to our executive management team, is an absolute visionary. He believed strongly in the movement that cloud was going to be. And so we did form the company on cloud and we've been cloud companies since then. How much of a challenge is it to get companies that are more comfortable being in control and on-premise to move to ServiceNow in the cloud? So it was a challenge for many years, I'd say. I think it's getting a little bit more acceptable, but I'd say even then it's geography dependent. So based on which part of the world that you're in, it's a lot easier for people to embrace cloud. And it also depends on what functionality you're using it for. So I'll give you a simple example. If they have uh, confidential data, which is more customer specific, and if you are in a highly regulated geography, say it's controlled by GDPR regulations in Europe, as an example, it's less convenient or it's, it's less acceptable for them to move that data into the cloud. However, for example, in the Americas, where it's largely predominantly cloud-driven due to all the innovations that's happening in the Valley, I think it's a lot easier for people to consider moving things to the cloud. So I'd say it's geography dependent, definitely. And some data just can't move to the cloud. Like, for example, if you want to get closer, in the case of telecom, as an example, if you want to be closer to the network because latency is an issue, you can't afford to move that to the cloud because it wouldn't work in the business model that telcos live in. Overall, what proportion of your ServiceNow clients are using ServiceNow via the cloud? I'd say 90%. There's only a handful of customers in very few industries, telecom being one, which probably would comprise to, I want to say, 5 to 6% that are still on-prem. Everyone else is on the cloud. Let's dig in a little bit on the kind of cloud functionality. What is it that ServiceNow can deliver in the cloud that would previously not have been possible in terms of these workflows or these problems that the platform solves? 
So if you look at the portfolio that ServiceNow has, we're largely comprised of four different portfolios. The first one is around IT, and we talked about ITSM a little bit. It's more driven for IT organizations within an enterprise to be able to support their employees, their partners. That's kind of what that is focused towards. That's our technology workflows division. The second one is around employee workflows. So when you're looking at an HR organization, how they can support employees that are onboarding. And a lot of that is happening today remote because of the pandemic. And so when employees getting on to their journey with an enterprise, how do you make sure that they still feel part of the organization? How do they get the required help, the processes that you can do to onboard them and work through them? That becomes part of our employee workflows. The third one is essentially around customer and industry workflows. So customer industry workflows, which is where I sit, is a combination of how enterprises provide support to their customers. So things like customer service, as an example. And the other thing is taking those use cases specifically purpose-driven for industries. So in that middle back office that is focused around customer interaction, customer engagement, uh, the core business functions, how they can be further verticalized for industries like telecommunications, financial services, manufacturing, and healthcare. Those are specific capabilities that we offer in the customer industry. Workflows. And then the fourth uh, workflow organization is everything to do with creator. So essentially, as a platform, ServiceNow gives you the ability to be able to expand into domains that are not available out of the box. So when you're using the platform, let's assume an organization wants to build an application that might be, I don't know, for uh, travel, as an example, not an application that ServiceNow supports out of the box, but travel is a use case that might be required by an enterprise. And so using the creator workflows capability, you can very quickly launch and build a new application using the core data model and the platform of workflows that we have. So it allows the extensibility and the citizen development use case that we are working towards. So those are the two four workflows, broadly speaking, that ServiceNow delivers. And within those workflows, there are different products that we obviously deliver for each use case. I was going to say to your question about what is it that we can deliver on the cloud that we didn't get before? I think it's largely the innovation. So for example, as a company, we deliver two major releases a year, one in the spring, one fall. And then depending upon how the product, the demand of the use cases are in the product, we can launch new releases and new functionality every quarter as well. So the pace in which our products can get innovated, the pace in which our customers can adopt those functionalities and use it for their business requirements, I think that's what's different. In my past career, I've seen that take years actually sometimes for them to be able to get that innovation built when companies didn't have a cadence of release schedules, didn't have the ability to release any more than one release a year. Uh, that to us can happen as quickly as a month and allows a lot of flexibility for the organizations. I'm curious, do you have uh, any stories or examples of a kind of feature or product you launched was your favorite new idea that flopped or any sort of kind of nice to have that you threw in there that suddenly just took off like a rocket ship? I mean, I'm just curious from the product manager side, putting a product out there and then watching what people do with it. Because once it's out there, it's not your child anymore. So I started about two years ago, and initially our first use case was customer service, because that's ServiceNow, it's in our name, we have to be focused on customer service. We launched specifically for telecommunications, built all the capabilities associated to it, got interesting set of customers initially adopting it. First customer came in the first week we launched the product, which was brilliant. But in the first month itself, we had one of our customers here in the US that came to us and said, look, you are doing customer service, which is very good. But if you look at telecommunications as an example, a lot of our customer care calls is about orders. Like if a customer calls in as I'm a customer of carrier, and if I call them up and I say, hey, I have a problem with my service, you know, the carrier agent is actually telling me about a new service that they've launched, a new upgrade plan that they might have. And as part of the upgrade plan, I might say, yeah, I'm interested in it. And 
submit an order for it. And so we got a conversation saying, look, you're not looking at order management, but order management is very closely tied into customer service. And in telco, that's not just sales. It's sales and service because we want customer service organizations also to be able to sell into customers. And so we started playing around with the idea of saying, what would an auto management solution look like? Because we were not the commercial catalog. We are not a CPQ engine. We don't have the price lists that are required by a billing system or a sales platform. But we started thinking about what would that auto management workflow look like and what are the problems that we're going to solve? And we had a few customers that already expressed interest in it. So we worked with two of them. We defined the use cases. And today is one of the fastest developing products in the company. We've got some of the largest telcos in the world that are using it right now. We purpose-built it for telecom. We wanted to try and incubate it within one industry and see if it will work. I think five of the top 10, 12 telcos in the world are using us for order management at the moment. And these are all of the enterprise services. The most complex services that you can imagine are getting orchestrated with ServiceNow. And now as an organization, we just launched order management as a horizontal functionality across all industries. So the ability to take the success that we have in telecommunication and now create that functionality so that it can be used by industries such as financial services, healthcare, it could be used for manufacturing companies, for um, as a cloud services organization, any one of those can now use auto management within ServiceNow. Can you talk to me a little bit about the uh, kind of unique challenges implementing technology in telecom and media and te technology space? I'll talk a little bit about both uh, telecom and technology in a slightly different context because there's there's unique challenges in both. So in telecommunications, obviously being a regulated industry for many years, since then obviously it's opened up, but there's a lot of legacy stuff that's in there. Like these telecommunication companies has existed for a long, long time. So if you go to any enterprise today, if telco, they've got hundreds of different applications that, that they come in. So if you're trying to come in and position in an in integration of different platforms and the ability to be able to standardize some processes, you have to coexist. There's no other alternative. Organizations are not looking to yank and replace applications from the existing landscape. And so we focused a lot on talking about industry standards, the ability to be able to integrate to a legacy software that exists in an organization and not recreate everything into ServiceNow. You have the ability to use this as workflow engine or a system of action and not always as a system of record. If your system of record is in Salesforce or is in Workday or is in SAP or Oracle, wherever it is, we can continue to work with those, but we can give you a consolidated pane of glass where your workflows for TMT can work on top. And that really helps customers saying, great, I might still have my mess in the back end, but I'm still providing a consolidated experience to my employees and to my customers and to my partners and allows them to launch these services really, really quickly. And so that was our approach to a silicon. You mentioned through your domains and the workflows, you're constantly collecting telemetry, passive data. There's so much information that you within your own platform are generating. There's so much more information from connected systems that is collective. How big can the pane of glass be and still be coherent? One, and two, how do you find what data matters most? For us, we're not trying to become a big data company. Like that's not our approach. We wanna be able to execute workflows core business processes and digital transformation for an enterprise. So our approach really is that if you have data coming in from a variety of different systems, we get the signals into us. But what our real focus is, once you get the data into ServiceNow, this is where you define what to do with it. The big data platforms that are there in the market are really good in their AI and algorithms to be able to tell you what the data is telling you from all this variety of different uh, noises that are coming from different applications. But once you get that, the next stage of this is now I know what's happening in my environments using all these sources of information, but I now need to execute on it. And what that execution is can be very dynamic. 
because if signal comes in for X, you want to do a series of steps, but X coming with another signal, now the series of steps then change. It has to be dynamic. It has to be in context of the customer, in context of the journey that the customer is, or an employee or a partner. And so that's kind of where our focus has been. We won't try to become the system of big data, but we will become the execution engine sitting on top. So let's talk a little bit further about that, if you don't mind, about data AI automation. How or where are you putting data and AI systems to work in those workflows? Two years ago, when I was looking at joining ServiceNow, one of the big challenges for me was, one of the big questions for me rather was, how would I build in this platform? Like, what is it in this platform that's unique and different from everything else that I've done in my life? And I think there's a unique attribute about ServiceNow, which people, unless you've worked in the platform, it's very hard for you to know. When you look at ServiceNow, there's a platform underneath, which has all the core components that are shared across all these different workflows. And that shared components include your workflow engine, your AI engine, core things such as knowledge management, such as tasks that are required, every kind of application that you want to build on top. So when we build applications, whether we are building it for customer workflows or industry workflows or employee workflows, all of these products and applications are leveraging what's in the platform. So when it comes to AI and ML, our approach is we will build the AI ML capabilities within the platform so that every product doesn't need to redevelop in AI algorithm, doesn't need to redevelop in AI concept. We are all leveraging from what's getting built into the platform. So there's a lot of thought put in into what the platform delivers. Now, what you can do is you can contextualize it for an industry. So a simple example is a forecasting is a forecasting AI ML model that needs to exist. So that's built within the platform. Now, once that forecasting module exists, we can contextualize it for a network forecast based on what my network is. Manufacturing would have forecast based on my supply and demands. You could forecast based on workforce people who are going to go dispatch across the field technicians that are going on the floor, but that's data specific. So based on the data that's coming in, you can use the same workflow as an AI, the same um, AI ML algorithm, and then you can contextualize the output of that AI ML specifically for that domain. Can you give me a, an example of a time when you've done that, even just kind of anonymized way? Here's a great example. So in ServiceNow as a platform, it's everything is driven by a task because when you're using a workflow, it's a task that you're trying to perform. But everything can be a task, a case when you're creating, when you have a problem with your with your service, an order when you're placing something that you want to get executed upon, a request that an internal employee is placing because he wants an upgrade to his laptop. So when we try to do optimization of our processes or when we try to do process mining capabilities or any intelligence, we built it on the task platform. And so when we built it on the task platform, when you're doing a case, now you can get process mining within case capabilities. You can get process mining within order management. You can get process mining within employee workflows and the universal task object that they have. But we built it on the core component through which all these things are getting derived. And process mining that we launched, I think, two releases ago, is a classic example of how that got put together. I want to come back to your point around telecom, media, over the top. Can you talk to me about how you, as a person who specializes in these industries, sees those things converging and the role that cloud plays in that connection? So I think there's a couple of areas where I see this converging. I think more and more we're seeing happen is across these industries, there's a growing transformation that's happening saying, I want to be closer to my customer. You know, from, that's one area that's happening. So media companies in the past used to care about providing digital content to a distributor and not really have any relationship with the actual consumer who's consuming that content. But now all the over the top services that are happening, you have a direct relationship to the consumer as well that you want to build. So they're trying to learn from their peers in other industries, maybe retail, telecommunications and others to say, what does that look like? What does that look like when I'm trying to become more closer to my customer? What capability? Do I, need? 
I think in technology as well, that's happening more and more. The advent of B2B2C is more common or B2B2X even is very, very common in, in cloud software, especially. And so when you look at those kinds of organizations, the transformation is being led in how do I get more proximity to my customers? I'd say one other thing that we've seen, which is consistent across these industries, the first era of digital transformation that happened you know, I don't know, a few years ago, was focused on customer engagement. Everybody talked about how am I going to make my relationship with my customer better? How am I going to be in my channels that I need? Chatbots, there were virtual agents were coming up, self-service channels were getting transformed all the time. The messaging platforms were still being looked at for engagement with the customer. And that was really important. But what will happen after that, especially in these three industries that we saw was you are systematically getting data across all these channels into the organization. But once the data came in, once the customer was able to request the customer wanted, on the back end, in the middle office, you were still dealing with a mess. You were still dealing with the legacy applications. So you got the right way to get the data in, but you were not able to solve what the customer was asking for because you hadn't solved the middle office and the back office functionalities. Front office got transformed. And I think what we're seeing in these three industries is saying, okay, now I need to get the middle office and my back office transformations to be done. Where I want to streamline the workflows, I want to have different people who are servicing that same request that's come on, looking at the same data at the same time so that they can all interact with it accordingly. And I think that's the shift that we see happening in digital transformation right now. You launched this order management product for telecom. Can you give me some sense of the trajectory of the uptake on that? And then going from telecom to other industries, how quickly was it hit within telecom and how quickly were you able to scale it to other industry groups? So it's funny, we launched, I believe it was the 12th of December back in 2020, somewhere around that week. And two hours after that product was on our store, which is where we publish our product, I got an email from a customer saying the documentation isn't refreshed. And I was like, how do you even know that a product got released? Because we hadn't done an announcement, but we had customers looking at it right as soon as the product was launched and the documentation was going to go get up published and updated in about four hours. It's just the staggering of when um, when the documentation gets synced into the systems. Well, we had customers downloading the application the same day. And funny enough, three months later, I believe it was at the end of March, we had the first go live of the product from one of our customers. So December, we launched the product. It was still V1. So obviously with V1, there's a lot of things that still were planned and roadmap. But three months later, the first customer went live and they were extremely successful, very happy, and still are using the platform and continue to launch new services and products on top. And since then, which is probably about now, uh, 14 months ago, uh, we've had about 12 to 14 new customers that have added on the platform. Several of them have gone live. They've talked about publicly into our knowledge events and how successful they see the platform and how confident they are about the roadmap and what they're seeing come into the next areas. If anything, they want us to accelerate the roadmap, which I think is always a good sign. So that's kind of how we see the trajectory coming forward. Now, the switch over to horizontal, that's an effort that started towards the second half of last year. When we looked at right around this time last year in the summer, we took a stock of what's actually working in the first half of the year. What do we want to build in the second half and the next year and so on? At that point in time, we realized that the momentum in auto management and what we were hearing from our customers was extremely positive. There was something that we thought we could really add value to our customers. We didn't really need to go in and replace systems and platforms because what we were doing was so unique that we felt that we could fit in quite nicely into that space that was already existing. And so we started to take that core components of it and started to build that functionality across for other verticals as well, making it into the core horizontal offering. And so now in February of this year, uh, which was six months afterwards, we launched the horizontal offering for order management as well. 
Terrific. I appreciate it. Let's kind of wrap up here. We've talked about telecom and media. Across all the verticals you could be involved in, you're kind of on the glitzy end of the spectrum. Do you ever get close to the stars or is it just telecom? No, telecom, unfortunately, uh, no stars at the moment, but I would still say it's still a glitzy industry, at least for me. I've always felt telecommunications and media and technology for that matter are extremely critical for the way we work. I think the last two years, if anything, has shown how dependent we are on connectivity, how dependent are we on software as a service, uh, cloud-based services and applications and technology, and how dependent we are on media to keep our kids entertained when they've been at home for all this long. So I feel very thankful that I'm part of this industry because in the past two years, what really showed the, I guess, uh, all of everyone involved is saying how critical connectivity and communications is in our lives. And so being a part of that and being able to contribute to it has been a great privilege for the past few years. Thank you, Rohit, very much for your time and your insights today. This podcast is part of our collaboration with MIT Tech Review in partnership with Emphasis Cobalt. Visit our content hub on technologyreview.com to learn more about how businesses across the globe are moving from cloud chaos to cloud clarity. Be sure to follow Ahead in the Cloud wherever you get your podcasts. You can find more details in our show notes and transcripts at emphasis.com slash IKI in our podcast section. Thanks to our producers, Catherine Burdett, Christine Calhoun, and Yulia Dabari. I'm Chad Watt with the Emphasis Knowledge Institute signing off. Until next time, keep learning and keep sharing.